Welcome to the Clone Saga Chronicles uh, 2.0 feed for, from SpideyDude.com. If you're listening to one of these older episodes, you'll hear references to our Podomatic website and a voicemail number, which is now defunct. So if you're a new listener who just found this uh, podcast, pay no mind to the links that we give out, like CloneSagaChronicles.Podomatic.com or a voicemail number. Enjoy this classic episode of Clone Saga Chronicles. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair and changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero, the Scarlet Spider it really made him angry. The next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. Welcome back to the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast, your number one source for all things Clone Saga, powered by Spidey.com. I'm the webmaster of the site, founded in 1998, we celebrate our 11th year online back in uh, June. For those of you that this is your first time, welcome. If you guys are returning listeners, welcome back. Joining in this, me in this edition is once again our leading contributor to Spider.com, Bertoni Beetle of Bertoni Beetle Bonanza Podcast. Welcome, Bertone. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, we'll like to say uh, no heavy Darth Vader breathing this time, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> in our haste to record and get things out as much as possible in excitement, I didn't adjust my microphone, so... Every single person who wrote in, oh my god, I love your guys' podcast, but that heavy breathing's annoying. I'm like, yes, I know. So, no heavy breathing. It's all your fault, Bertoni. Fingers crossed. And this month we have a change somewhat. We've doubled our panel from last last time. I can't, I can't say this month, this week. Uh, first up on the site is the site designer, uh, Brandon DP, a.k.a. B-Dog, from the website comicboards.org, and he's the colorist extraordinaire on various webcomics. Welcome, sir. What's up, guys? And uh, rounding out our panel is uh, Sp- uh, Gerard De La Tour the second, aka Spider Tour O two. He's my collaborator on the webcomic Crawl Space Avengers. He also has a DeviantArt page. Check out Spider Two O two dot DeviantArt dot com. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. And so, uh, yeah, we we cl- <laughs> uh, we cloned this month. We cloned each other. Um, anyway, but uh, as we talked about. This uh, this last time, you, uh, if you were a returning member of the podcast, um, we we said we're going to jump right into the uh, power responsibility story arc that uh, went from October 1994, and uh, kind of give us a rundown of it. Is Mr. Bertoni Beetle? Bertoni, give us a rundown of uh, what kind of went on this with, in this particular issue. Well, we gave you guys the lead-up about the origin of the clone everything in last week. What we didn't talk about as much is kind of Peter's state of mind. His parents are dead. Oh, wait, they're alive. Nope, they're robots. And Peter, basically, he's been going on this dark path since before then, and now he wrapped himself in a web cocoon. He came out and said, Peter is dead. I am the spider. 
Uh, fans weren't too happy about that. And now he's, and now as we spoke about last week, we had the whole, who is the mystery man? And we met the mystery man, and it was Ben Riley, and so Peter's not feeling too good about himself, and he runs into Ben Riley, which leads us into Power and Responsibility, part one, which was Web of Spider-Man, issue 117. Peter, not too happy to see Ben, fights Ben, and Ben's like, oh, I didn't want any part of this, I gotta get out of here. So as he's trying to get away, we cut to Ravencroft, which is basically, a lot of people are not going to like this comparison, but it's the 90s version of uh, in Spider-Man Arkham Asylum. And uh, Dr. Kafka, who was a regular there, uh, she was the psychiatrist, and John Jameson, who was the head of security, are working there. And they're welcoming uh, these new uh, specialists, Judas Traveler, and his minions, who we call the host, and... I don't know. Well, I'll talk about this more in the notes, but really, you thought that those were specialists? And they're just basically being given a tour of Ravencroft. And we're going to cut back. Uh, Peter and Ben are still fighting, and uh, Ben basically tells Peter that, look, I'm your clone. Peter remembers that he's like, oh, you're the jackal's pawn, which well, there's more to discuss in the notes there. But he eventually knocks Peter out because Peter's just being reckless and being the whole, I am the spider. Peter Parker's dead. Yeah. So Traveler's walking around Ravencroft, and he's like, oh, there's the chameleon. The chameleon who's basically, after the events of Pursuit, he's kind of a hollow shell of a man. He looks at Shriek, he looks at Carnage, and he uses some sort of his powers on them, Traveler. And we're really not sure what his powers is, and he's like, oh, all of the shattered pieces of their psyche call out for one man, Spider-Man. So he orders the members of the host to contact Spider-Man in their astral form. So he's like, well, you know, being a specialist here is kind of fun. Let me just screw that up now. So Kafka, Edward, and John Jameson are subdued by the host, and Chakra's astral form contacts Spidey, who woke up from being uh, knocked out by Ben Riley, and tells him that uh, Judas Traveler is offering a challenge to him in Ravencroft. If he doesn't defeat Traveler, all the inmates will die. But if he defeats him, all the inmates will go free, which doesn't make sense, because if you defeat him, then he can't free the inmates. Ben overhears this as Spider-Man swings off. He's like, I've got no choice. They're, they're people. I must save them. So Ben's considering following Spider-Man, too, and he has some Spider-Man gear in his backpack. So Aunt May's still in the hospital. Is she going to die? Is she an actress? We don't know. Mary Jane's like, oh, Aunt May. Then Anna Watson comes, and she's like, hey, Mary Jane, so where is Peter anyway? So when Spider-Man gets to Ravencroft, there's a psychic barrier around it, and Kafka's telling him, oh, no, they still have Edward in there. Edward, by the way, used to be Vermin, which was another uh, character that the Mattis liked to play with a lot. And um, after he got cured, he basically started working at Ravencroft. And Kafka, who, of course, cares about every single patient in the world, she's like, Edward's in there, and the patients are in there, but Traveler teleported me and Jameson out. So Traveler speaks with Spider-Man from the outside of the building, and a cop tries to shoot him, but Traveler uses his powers to stop the bullets. Spider-Man's able to enter through the psychic barrier, and Traveler basically kind of repeats what the challenge is. And that's where we do the cliffhanger for part one of Power and Responsibility. All right. Um, well, you know, I'm an artist. So the first thing that immediately jumps out at me, um, the Odin credits they mentioned, this is, this is Stephen Butler's first issue as the new penciler of Web of Spider-Man. And uh, really, maybe this is just my opinion looking back over the entirety of the entire clone saga, but he really seemed like a, Spider-Man was very similar to Bagley. 
I would almost argue kind of a knockoff of Bagley. And uh, certainly he required a lot of fill-ins. He did a lot of breakdowns on later issues, things like that. So uh, I don't know if it was a very solid run, but that's something we'll get into a little later. Um, as far as uh, introduction, I think I believe this is the first time we meet Judas Traveler or any of the members of his host, minus Scryer, who doesn't appear in this issue. And uh, right off the bat, he's established as a very powerful kind of guy with mysterious powers. They introduce what Ooh, is... Mysterio! <laughs> he's a mystery man of mystery, which is uh, something that we should get used to, because the clone song is full of those guys. Who um, is he? Who is he? <laughs> What's his motivation? Um, but, and personally, he's never, he's not a character I particularly liked because I didn't feel he fit with Spider-Man's rogues gallery, who tend to be full of a lot of guys that are tied to science and technology. And later, as JMS pointed out, a lot of And, uh, he was really almost more of an X-Men kind of villain to me, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, we don't know, and I'm going to jump in, because I can't. <laughs> at this point, we really don't know a whole lot about Traveler. Um, and it seems like there was all this, that they were actually had plans for Traveler. Now, um, for those of you that are reading the Clone Saga through the miniseries, this was one of the big things that was omitted from the first chapter. Um, one of the big things. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, number one, uh, um, they really didn't know what to do with Traveler. And uh, as is pointed out later, will be pointed out later, we'll get to this when we get to a spectacular issue, or amazing issue. Um, okay, we introduced Traveler. You know, basically, this story is all set up. And uh, Gerard, continue. Well, because there's we'll, not much we'll, more to say beyond that. It, it's, it's all set up for the next uh, yeah, three of the arc. If you if you re, if you just read one issue of this arc, it's very confusing, and you can probably be a little bit lost. Now, um, that's just how it kind of runs. Um, I've read all the issues, and they read better in a complete set. So if you're if you're at your comic shop and you're looking to get all these issues, try to get all the issues at once. Not that you're going to be completely lost if you just get it like two or the three or three of the four. But you'll have a better idea what's going on when you have all four. Brandon, uh, now, Gerard, you were you were a to give you kind of some some kind of background on you. You were kind of a hater of the Clone Saga, right? You didn't like it at the first, or you liked it at first and you didn't like where they went with it. And then you went back and read it and liked it. Am I remembering but, your editorial right? <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the Clone Saga, but I am a fan of Ben Riley, or at least I've come to become a fan of Ben Riley over the years, and okay. uh, looking back, a lot of the early parts had some promise, and I was with it, but then when it got confusing, it lost me. Yeah. And, along with a lot of people, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and uh, so to kind of contrast uh, our panel, we got we got one guy that, did, that hates the Clone Saga, but likes Ben Riley. Uh, Brandon, uh, or uh, Brandon. Brandon was... What you were like two when it came out? I don't uh, give away your age, but but uh. yeah, uh, so, like I was born during the Clone Saga. I swear, like my first issue was probably like my first Spider-Man comic was probably the last Clone Saga issue with Norman and Ben dying. Yeah, and and uh, I just like I guess I don't know. 
when I was little, went to some comic stores, went to like the grocery store, picked up old issues. Like uh, some of the issues we we read to, uh, well, I read this weekend. I found in my big lot of comics like from years ago. So with the covers torn off. Oh yeah, that, that's how that's how you roll, man. Anyway, um, Brandon, tell us tell us uh, you've read the books. What, what last yeah. night, night before last? So tell us your tell us your uh, brief thought about the uh, first issue of of uh, the Clone Saga. Um, I liked it. I like I like the art. It's really really nice the art. Um, but for some reason, I really just like how it was handled in uh, Tom DeFalco's new. Clone Saga with Todd Nock and uh, uh, it, like I, I guess it's kind of cool. Um, I don't really care for Judas Traveler. He kind of looks like a '70s porn star with bling bling. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I like that '70s porn star Judas Judas Traveler in <laughs> Debbie Does Dallas. Um, Dallas well, is like, played um, by Robert Redford. Oh. Um, I, like, well, like I said before, I really like the art. It's really, uh, it reminds me a lot of Vaguely, like, like a lot of Vaguely, um, but it's just nice. Um, and I like the way, uh, Peter and Ben were handled, but I, I like Spidey's thought bubbles, he was kind of like just thinking a lot, and I think it just could, uh, it was handled a lot better in the first new Clone Saga issue. Well, I mean, and this issue, you gotta think he was a little mentally deranged. <laughs> yeah. uh, as we'll get into next month, I mean, he was in a pretty shitty position as a whole. Uh, and the reason why I say that, uh, classic example, the uh, Human Torch Spider-Man Unlimited issue, which came out before the Clone Saga. I think, in fact, uh, it was the Unlimited issue before the actual Clone Saga came out. Um, was dealing with the fact that Spidey, in his rage, blind rage, actually smacked a dude. Like, yeah. like, like hit a dude, and uh, I think it was Beware of the Rage of the Desperate Man is what the story arc was. And uh, so he's already in a pretty low place. Um, the, the symmetry that is in this issue where Peter's having to face himself, essentially, and fighting himself, that's a very, very well done and power responsibility as a whole. Yeah. But uh, so, uh, what's your what's your grades, guys? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a B. B. Okay. Uh, what's uh what's your grade, Gerard? I would go B minus. B minus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bertoni. I'm gonna say B. Um, one or two comments. Sure. Go. Uh, well, tell us why. First of all. Judas Traveler, as he said, you know, looks like a porn star. But not only that, but the members of the host. How are Kafka and Jameson not suspecting that something is up when these people walk in? These are specialists. And one thing is, Peter's like, you're my clone? You're my clone? It wasn't that long ago when Peter discovered that, uh, and this got retconned, obviously, but when he discovered that Ben Riley was actually a guy named Anthony Sebra, that's what it was believed at the time, that... Warren didn't make clones, so why isn't he like, oh, by the way, you're not actually my clone, you're a guy named Serba. Now, I know that this is, that Peter's, you know, on the brink of the edge, that wouldn't be the first thing that comes to his mind, but it it bothered me that nobody brought that question up. He just, like, kind of accepted, oh, I guess he is my clone after all, even though I read those journals. So. Yeah, and it really didn't get addressed till what? Yeah. 
Do yeah, they, they eventually dealt with it in Scarlet Spider Unlimited Issue 1, and then they still had to tie up some loose ends in the Osborne Journal, which came out after the saga, but it just kind of bothered me that that question wasn't brought up. But um, as yeah, has been said, I like the art. It reminded me of the Mark Bagley stuff, and I just love how when he's like, I'm your clone, and he's like, the jackal's pawn, and then it's like, see, Amazing Spider-Man 149 through 151, and that was the good old days where if you had to get brushed up on your clone saga knowledge, you only had to look at three issues. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and back then, of course, they were also still doing the Marvel Tales, I believe. And they had these, uh, well, they didn't have the essentials that far up yet, but um, I don't still think had the Marvel essentials Tales. were out then. No, the essentials weren't, uh, they had, uh, no, they started in the late 90s. Yeah, I, I remember getting Essential Spider-Man uh, number two, and that yeah. was, like, awesome. Yeah, made of wind. Um, so you got, essentially, three issues to kind of get filled in. Now, we last month we handled pretty much all the trivial stuff, like the... Uh, the Carrion and uh, the, yeah. the 80s gene story. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, really, at that point, the... The only thing you really needed to know was the uh, was those three issues. And the funny thing is, it didn't get brought up, and I'm surprised because you know Tom DeFalco knows more about has forgotten more about Spider-Man than any of us will ever know. Uh, so I'm surprised it didn't get brought up. But uh, I'll just give my thoughts right quick. Uh, I love love Stephen Butler's artwork in this book. Um, his run is very t- all too short run on uh on amazing was just or amazing web of was really good too bad that he had to be paired up with Terry Kavanaugh and Terry Kavanaugh mind you now to get a little bit behind the- yeah get, get a little hot behind the scenes at this point he's actually the person that introduced the clone saga so he is essentially the father of the clone saga the idea to bring back the clone was brought in by Terry Kavanaugh at a summit meeting, and we'll get. I'm going to get more into the uh, what was going on behind the scenes when we get to the end of the reviews, because I want to kind of do that all at once. But, uh, but yeah, Terry Gavinoff and Stephen Butler were the guys that were doing this one, and, and they did a solid job. Uh, great, great amount of setup. Um, uh, the, the pacing was at a good pace. I liked, I liked the pace. It really, it, the good cliffhanger was really good, and it kept you leaving, it kept you wanting more. Um, as we get into to, to the, this was a really good. Era for artists. Um, you had Tom uh, Tom Lyle, who does um, uh, Spider-Man, adjectiveless Spider-Man, number was it forty-nine? No, uh, fifty-one was the one that came 51. out this month. Yeah, fifty-one. I, 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 fifty-one kept jumping out at me. Which uh, was which was part three? Well, oh yeah, so part two was uh, spectacular, uh, amazing, right? Yeah, part two was Amazing Spider-Man, um, issue 394, which was uh, the team of J.M.D. Mateus and Mark Bagley. Okay, I got two I got two and three swapped. Um, yeah, uh, Bertoni, give us give us the rundown on, uh, on Amazing. All right, well, first page, you get Ben looking at New York City, and he's feeling conflicted. He's like, wow, you know, it's been a while, and he has all the memories, but at the same time, he's like, he has the sense that he doesn't belong here. And then we have the obligatory, because uh, back then, comics were not written for the trades. So in part two of the story, or part three, you'd always get a recap in one way or another. And this time, it's John Jameson and Kafka giving the recap. They're outside. They're like, 
And it's very exposition-y. Wow, I can't believe Judas Traveler locked us and teleported us out here and put a barrier on and challenged Spider-Man. Yeah, I know. That pretty much sums things up, doesn't it? And then Kafka's like, oh no, Edward's in there. I just realized this, even though she realized it last issue. Hi. Well, Traveler's in there, and he's playing around with Edward. He turns him into vermin, and he's like, take notes, everyone. Then he's like, well, that was fun. Then he changes him back uh, to Edward and teleports him back outside with the others. So Spider-Man's going... Because Judas Traveler's an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) I know that that this was really traumatic for you, and that, you know, it took you a while to get past this, but let me relive that for you in the span of ten seconds. Yeah. And uh, Vermin was, an, was, like I said, another one of Demetrius's pets. So Spider-Man's going through Ravencroft, kind of like Traveler was last issue, looking at all the inmates, and he sees the chameleon, and he's pretty mad. I mean, he's ready to kill the chameleon because uh, chameleon's the one who engineered the robot parents at the request of Harry Osborn. But then he sees that the chameleon's basically, like, foaming at the mouth, rocking back and forth, changing back and forth to different people. He's like, you know what? I don't need to kill you. You're already, you know, you're already pretty much dead inside. And he sees Carnage, and all while this is going on, Traveler's, like, kind of messing around with Spider-Man's mind due to some mental manipulation. So the madness of all this is kind of getting the Peter as time goes on. Now we cut to Mary Jane! She's at the airport, and she's leaving the Pittsburgh. Uh, Apparently there's some problems that we're going to find more about in the coming months with her father and sister. And she's reluctant to go because... You know, Aunt May's in the hospital. She could die at any moment. And Anna Watson's like, no, no, you need to take care of this. And, you know, May could be in a coma for months. You need to take care of this now. So uh, it's some really good artwork. So Anna Watson's watching as Mary Jane takes off to the plane to Pittsburgh. And we're back at the hospital. Ben Riley's there with May. And a doctor there mistakes Ben for Peter and kind of comforts him, saying, well, it looks like you can use a friend. So, Traveler's, you know, still doing this mental manipulation stuff with Spider-Man, and we meet a new character in the saga, Scryer, who's just kind of silent in the background at first, and it's as if he was there the whole time. It's really weird. But uh, Traveler grabs Spider-Man and looks into his mind, and he sees something that makes him laugh, which becomes important later, and he's like, I will find out things about you that not even you know. So... Peter gets really mad, and he's punching Traveler, and there's some ironic dialogue here. I'm not some laboratory experiment. I'm a man. Yeah, that's going to have some new meanings later. And Traveler's just standing there. He's not affected by this. But I'm a real boy. <laughs> I'm a real boy, Geppetto. I, I just want to be a real boy. I could just hear Christopher Daniel Barnes doing this dialogue. I'm not some laboratory experiment. I'm no. a man. No. Actually, uh, every time I hear "I'm a man," I think of the uh, Oklahoma State coach that was. Uh, I'm a man. Oh, I'm a man. So traveler, even he's not really good with the punches. So he does some of that mental manipulation stuff, and he basically makes Spider-Man succumb to his madness. And Squire asks him if he'll be killing the inmates now, like he promised. But Judas is like, "No." When I looked into his mind, I found out that there is another. So Chakra, the little. Uh, member of the host who was appearing in astral forms to everyone. She appears to Ben now, who's still in the hospital with May, and she gives him a bargain. She's like, unless you come to save Spider-Man, Judas will kill him, and if he kills him, then you can have your old life back, but, you know, or you can save him, and you'll basically just be the way things are now. So, that's to be continued, and our cliffhanger picture is Peter. He's in 
a metal straitjacket in a cell in Ravencroft. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this issue, there's a lot more dialogue. Or not dialogue, uh, a lot more narration in this issue, and you can tell because that's how that's how Demetrius writes. Not that I'm not that I'm complaining, it's just how it rolls. Psychological narration too. Yeah, like he of. he looks at the doorknob, it's round, and he thinks about how his life has gone round and round, round and round like the doorknob, which people twist and turn as people have twist and turned his life. He reaches out. One, I mean, that's basically it. Anyway, so uh, we're sitting there where we are. You know, we're dealing with this. Ben is kind of dealing, starting to deal with May. Um, this issue had really good artwork, and really, I liked the the writing. I I, I like Demetrius' style because he gets he he gets to the core and the meat of the character without he does it in the exact opposite way that Grant Morrison does it. Now, I'm not a Grant Morrison fan. I'm I'm pretty admitted for that, but. Uh, Grant Morrison likes to strip down the character to the core by having having an acting out of character. So here, everything's in character. Peter's, you know, descending into madness. That's basically the big part of this issue. Um, I give this issue a B, and I give the last issue a B because these two issues were mostly set up. Um, this wasn't like. Uh, this isn't like decompressed storytelling. You actually get a lot happening in each issue, but, but it's, it's just part one. It's part two of four. Uh, Gerard, what are your thoughts? Well, um, it, it, it's kind of strange, but I thought this issue played better as sort of the lead or set up to this arc more so than the previous one, even though okay. the encounter between Ben and Peter happened in that one. Because this issue actually gives you, if you hadn't read a lot of the earlier issues, this yeah. one kind of gave you a better idea for where Peter is at, for where Ben's state of mind is, That's specifically true. that he's not there to take Peter's place. He's only there for me, which yeah. I don't know if that comes across the first part of the story, seeing as how they, they fight and, and the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. You're right. I mean, that's a good point. Uh, continue. <laughs> okay. Uh, strange. Um, I, 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 like you said, the, Bagley is tops. I mean, for me, he was my definitive. This is the era when I began reading the, the comic, like a lot of you guys. And for me, Bagley was my Spider-Man artist, if that makes any sense. He's the yeah. one that I began to associate most clearly, and I, when I saw his art on the stands, that's the stuff that I grabbed. Yeah. But um, So, for me, every time I see Bagley, Amazing Spider-Man art, I just love it. Um, Traveler here, I find also to be a bit more interesting. Uh, it, it's a little hard to describe because he does kind of, you know, F around with Vermin being a jerk, but he, at least you do kind of get an idea of why he's interested in Spider-Man more so again than the previous issue, which just sort of introduces him as the mystery man of mystery. Yeah. And uh, overall, I, I like this issue probably more than any of the others in the month. So if I was given a grade, I, I'd probably want like an A- minus. I mean, I, I just really love the Mattis and Bagley together. Yeah, that that was that was really good and relatively short era of Spider-Man. Um, Brandon, what's your what's your uh, what's your take, buddy? Um, my take on this issue is I this is my favorite of the month too. Like I I really liked it. Um, we finally get some insight on what's to come 
and uh, well, how fucked up Spidey is, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, one thing that I actually really liked about it was the artwork again, except for the fact that it looked like uh, Ben was losing hair through the issue. <laughs> uh, that's probably that's probably a coloring error too. Yeah, uh, but one thing actually, like I I hated the coloring of the '90s just because everyone was learning Photoshop and like how to do digital color and this and that. But the coloring in this issue is really really nice. Uh, I just wanted to comment on that. Like um, in the darker scenes, in the darker scenes, it's moody. In uh, the dramatic scenes, it's bright. And yep. yeah, there, there was a. Lots of little caption boxes, and um, like on, uh, what is it, page seven, uh, Spidey's thinking a lot, or, yeah, Spidey's thinking a lot, and yellow caption boxes, so that kind of reminded me of Deadpool without the quip, you know? Yeah. Uh, what else, what else? Um, on one page, what page was it? Uh, when Judas Traveler's strangling, uh, strangling vermin, it kind of looks like he's a giant, uh, that that was one thing I didn't really like about it. Uh, but um, overall, it really set a lot of stuff up, and the sequential storytelling with the art was really nice, and I really enjoyed the writing. And um, I think I like Bigley's 90s stuff more than his Ultimate Spider-Man stuff for some yeah. reason. Yeah, uh, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not yeah. alone. Yeah. Uh, but, so, uh, Bertoni, what do you, what's your thoughts? You can tell from the very first page it's JMT Mateus because there's, I think, more dialogue in the inner narrative on that first page than there is in average issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. Speaking of Ultimate Spider-Man, by the way, you could see the evolution of what Mark Bagley would eventually use as Ultimate Spider-Man in some of the pages, like the page where Traveler's holding Spider-Man up. That looks just like uh, the early Ultimate Spider-Man issues, which is kind of cool. Uh, you can see that there was some disconnect between the writers of the four different titles, because first of all, Kafka realizes for the second time that Edward's missing. Yeah. And what happened at the end of part one? Peter sees Chakra, he's like, I better go stop this. And Ben's hiding behind some stuff, and he's like, wow, I better go save him. And he's getting his costume ready. Well, that didn't wind up happening. <laughs> But Ben gets the message here, so it's like, I thought, he's like, you must follow Peter and save him. I thought he was already doing that. Yeah. Uh, the scene with Anna Watson and... Even though I'm kind of agreeing with... Even though there's some problems with her family right now, Aunt May's in a freaking coma and Peter's missing. Her place is probably New York. That That is kind of a moral dilemma, but... I know that... Has to fix things with her real family, but May's been more family to her than her father has, and even though kind of her sister has, which is kind of a cold thing to say. That was a really touching scene between <laughs> and Anna Watson, but I like the arts. I like Demetrius, so this gets a solid A from me. Okay, uh, I'm gonna give this. I, I gave this a B, so because uh, I, I keep forgetting that I reviewed first. Um, we're going on to the next issue. Now, the next issue is dynamic in its cover because it's Peter oh, Parker. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. This is one I actually have. <laughs> yeah, I have this issue as well, and uh, it's it's Ben pulling the mask on with his with his uh, gloves, and he has no shoes on, and uh, it says the clone. 
at last, Spider-Man's clone swings into action. And uh, this was... Um, this was pretty pretty big deal because uh, obviously this is the very first appearance of the quote unquote Ben Riley Spider Man quote unquote and uh, this issue this starts out I'll give I'll give kind of the rundown on this one there there uh, Mister Bertoni uh, this issue starts out with uh, Ben basically at May's side and Ben is finally visiting Aunt May Aunt May can't hear him. Uh, he eventually, um, he's say, you know saying he's just a clone, a copy, a fraud, and uh, he's he's make, basically talking out his decision to save Peter. Uh, once he does, of course, he goes to Ravencroft and uh, essentially <laughs> is met by uh, by by uh, by Judas Traveler, and, and it kind of sets up into the next issue. Uh, I don't think – now, correct me if I'm wrong, Bertoni. I don't think a whole lot happened in this issue. Mainly, mainly the main bulk of the issue was the scenes with May and uh... – No, not a lot happened. And I took notes for the recap for all these issues, and all of my recaps, some of them are longer than others. The DeFalco one, which is part four, is the longest. The DeMatteis one is kind of long. This is the shortest one. I literally have like – a few lines, and you pretty much summed it up. I mean, the only thing that you really left out is that Boone and Media, two members of the host, try and attack Ben, and yeah. the whole thing with Peter breaking out of his uh, mental prison that Traveler put him in. That was a small part of the issue. Then there's this just weird page where the Doctor's like, oh no! Aunt May's flatline! What do we... Oh, no, the machine was just unplugged. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. What was the point I, of that? I, I thought <laughs> that was bizarre. Yeah, th- this issue was written by Howard Mackey. Now, I love Howard Mackey. I love me some Howard Mackey. But this was just poorly paced. <laughs> and this was a symptom of what was really going on with uh, Mackey these days. Now, Mackey had went from web of Spider-Man to adjectiveless Spider-Man. And uh, he had been, had a pretty uh, – he'd had a couple of issues with Tom Lyle before. Now, Tom Lyle, um, he is uh, – at least with uh, Stephen Butler, you, you know he's still getting some work. Tom Lyle is actually a, t- a professor now of uh, of art down at some some sort of uh, college down there. But he has, he has his, he has his degree and he's teaching he's teaching uh, he's teaching art somewhere. And uh, <laughs> they just came out the big fiftieth issue, and uh, which introduced a villain that'll be used later. Um, and Tom Lyle's art was pretty strong here. I, I actually really liked his art. There's some guys that just couldn't stand it. Uh, he had a very particular style, particularly his, his human faces. Uh, but it's not over-exaggerated like a uh, certain McFarlane. <laughs> so uh, it, it's good stuff. Um, I'm going to give this a solid B- minus simply because of how, how quick a read it was. Um, Gerard? Yes, your thoughts. Well, it's funny you should say that there are a lot of people who don't like Tom Lyle's art, because I am most certainly one of those people. I, I really hated Tom Lyle's art, and in particular, uh, this sort of era that he was drawing the during the Clone Saga on Spider-Man. I mean, his Mutant X stuff later was much better, but uh, I really disliked this issue in particular for a lot of the reasons you just said. 
I mean, it's funny. We're all, you know, we all prepared for this podcast, you know, took notes and stuff like that. And uh, some of my notes for the other uh, issues are just enormous. I got lines going across everywhere. This is half of a page, and it's barely of a summary. I mean, it feels like nothing happened here. Uh, there were a couple of fight scenes, of course, so that, you know, dilutes a lot of it, but it was strange seeing how almost easily, I mean, they set up the host as being the sort of expert. They keep mentioning that Medea is like this expert fighter just constantly, but Ben beats uh, Medea, and I believe it's Boone, I don't remember these people's names. Yeah, Boone. Just way too easily, I mean, uh, you know, the, there's some... Uh, when they appear for the first time, <laughs> I actually got a laugh out of it because uh, they both look like this terrible punk rock rejects. I mean, they, they fit together visually pretty pretty nicely. I guess. But, but Kafka and Jameson thought they were specialists. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't. That's yeah, just that's... not. At least one of the dudes is wearing a suit, and you know, <laughs> who are the hell are these guys? Um, I, I, I didn't like this at all. I, I really can't say much more about it. So uh, I, I wrote down, I, I scribbled out, I had F, I scribbled it out and put D plus instead. Wow, D plus. Wow. Yeah, there were, I mean, the, when you, for a four-part story arc, I mean, I can I can live with first two parts being set up, but when the third part doesn't feel weighty, I feel like it's just a waste of time, and that's what I felt like reading this issue. Okay. B-Dog, what's your thoughts? Oh, uh, okay. So, um, I kind of like Tom Lyle's art. Oh, I like this issue, actually. Like, I, I'll agree with you guys. It was a little bit poorly paced, and I think we could have, I don't know, had, like, more insight into, like, Judas Traveler's host. I, I, like, his, uh, the host or hose or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> his host. Uh, but, you know what I, uh, can I interrupt you for a second, B-Dog? You know what, it, and I just had this thought. When you look at Jews Traveler and you look at the host, they look like a traveling band of gypsies. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, they do. They look like a bunch of gypsies. And that's what, that's the kind of the first thing. Extreme 90s about. gypsies! Extreme 90s gypsies! <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I can see why the, this was just fail. The, the, the costume design for Jews Traveler and everybody is fail. Go ahead, continue on, me, dog. Oh, okay, um... On the first page, I noticed something about the art. Just the way uh, Ben looks kind of reminded me of uh, Todd Nock just a little bit, like maybe for that uh, first page with Ben's face. That, that's about it. Uh, or not yeah. the first page, second page. The, yeah. the rest just went on. I, I actually kind of like his art. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's not horrible. And I, I, liked, um, I liked at the end where... Uh, uh, we got, well, yeah, we got Spidey breaking out of the shackle thing. I thought that was really dramatic and cool, you know? That's kind of like the moment of the issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, also, uh, one thing I thought was cool was, like, when Ben comes, and um, they kind of just look like brothers. Like, he goes, I'm taking him out. Uh, I'm taking him out of here. Move aside now. And it just it's just kind of nice, like, He's helping them up, and, like, I guess they can settle on their differences uh, to beat Judas Traveler. And, um, uh, but on the last panel, Judas Traveler reminds me of Mephisto. It just doesn't look properly, and it looks like, is that yellow stuff coming out of his eyes? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He was really sleeping. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure the the Sandman visited him, visited him last night or the night before. So overall, I, I thought this was a cool issue. Not my favorite, probably my least favorite of the month, but still pretty cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a C. I'll give it a C. Yeah. I'm I'm also gonna go with a C. Um, I I'm sorry, I'm just not a big big on Mackey. I like Lyle. Uh, he did lots of 90s stuff. Uh, everyone's hair always has the 90s spiky hair. He did uh, some of the Robin miniseries, too, before Robin got his own ongoing, yeah. and I like that. One thing that I really liked about this issue, which I thought was awesome, is, uh, and we kind of you know glossed over this in the narrative a little bit, but while Ben is you know fighting media, Medea, however we want to call her, and Boone, we have Peter breaking out of this mental prison that Traveler has him in, and he grabs Harry and says, no more gotcha, which was awesome, because even after, the beautiful thing about Demetrius's Harry Osborne arc is that even after Harry died, it wasn't over, and gotcha was kind of Harry's running joke, he was sending Peter and Mary Jane bombs that said gotcha when he was alive, and then he sent the rhino after Peter Parker saying, everyone's going to know your secrets, and then Harry Osborne's like, gotcha. And then um, after Harry died, he in his will, there was a box that he left to Peter with a note in it that said, gotcha. And then when Peter Parker found out who was behind his robot parents, it was a Harry Osborne Green Goblin mask on a computer saying, gotcha. So that was kind of a reoccurring thing that Osborne would use to torment Peter. And I did kind of like this payoff from that here. And Peter breaks, you know, he kind of comes into his own a little bit here. He breaks out of the mental block, and Judas Traveler's like, well, I'll just have to put you back in. And then he's like, uh, no way. And he starts fighting back right before Ben shows up. Now, the thing is, it's literally almost as if part two, the JMD Mateus part, could be ignored. Because at the end of that, I mean, Ben's getting ready to go off and find Peter, and that's just kind of what he does here. I mean, most of part two was kind of, and that's the problem when you have the four-part stories. It's almost as if it was, you know, superficial or whatever. This is also the first time where um, Ben Riley is named. He calls himself uh, Ben Riley to Aunt May when she's in the coma. He hadn't used that name prior to this point and explains that we got Ben from Uncle Ben and Riley from her maiden name. For some reason, Judas Traveler uses his mystical powers and calls him Ben at the end of the story because he knows that it's Ben. I thought it was funny when he says uh, that it's been a long time since the thought great power and great responsibility popped into his head. Really? I know that you're a clone of Spider-Man, but really? And once again, as with all 90s multi-part stories, we have Exposition Bonanza on the first page. If you read the first page, it's basically, well, this is me summing everything up, but all in all, I mean, I'm going to have to say C, but it would have been a complete D had it not been for... uh, the arts, and I just loved Peter breaking out of the mental prison. That was awesome. And uh, getting to our final part, Spectacular Spider-Man 217, writer Tom DeFalco. Wait, isn't Tom DeFalco the editor-in-chief? <laughs> Artist, Sal Buscema. Inker, Sal Buscema. And the cover by Sal Buscema. They so. should have more Marvel editor-in-chiefs do stories, because this... Oh, wait. No, never mind. Let's... No, no, no. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Um, okay, this... Uh, give us a rundown, Mr. Bertoni. 
All right, and, all right, and this is going to be a long rundown because Tom DeFalco, man, he jam-packed lots of stuff in here. So Judas, he's looking at Peter and Ben, and he's kind of studying their body language. And it's funny, there's lots of tension between them, and he's like, it's almost as if they're each daring each other. So Traveler mentally knocks them both out. We, we then get some 90s exposition from Kafka outside again, before cutting back inside to Judas Traveler, and he's studying Carnage. So Ben and Peter, they're locked in a basement, and uh, the... Traveler tells Nock to study them and take some notes until they awake. Squire appears again, as if from nowhere, and he's like, Judas, your barrier is weakening. Is weakening. What's going on? And Traveler's like, Chakra, I need you to do something. So, what, what does he need her to do? What is this? What is, the, what is this thing that he needs the powerful astral woman to do? Apparently something very small. So, uh, they talk to Medea about the fate of the inmates, because she wants to kill them all, and it's like, no, you must wait. So, Peter and Ben awake... And Peter's mad. He thinks after, and I don't blame Peter for thinking this, after what happened with him and Traveler last issue, he's convinced that uh, either Ben is an illusion of Traveler or that he's working for Traveler. And while they're fighting, Peter's like, I can't believe you fell for that move. I haven't, no one's fallen for that since junior high. And Ben's like, yeah, I'm not falling for that. You didn't even get bitten by the spider until you were in high school. And he's like, you've changed, Peter. You've gotten bitter. He's like, what's going on? He's like, don't call me Peter. Parker is dead. So then all the Ravencroft loonies enter, and Peter and Ben fight them, and Peter is being really brutal and lethal on them, and Ben's like, dude, you gotta tone it down, these are people, you're not, you know, dealing with, like, Rhino or Venom here. So Judas and the others are still discussing the situation, Medea's like, can I kill him yet, can I kill him yet, can I kill him yet? Chaka returns from her mystical astral form mission, which requires her getting a letter that's postmarked one week ago. Huh? Well, the force field outside grows, and it knocks out the police officers and the Ravencroft staff, like Kaka, who are waiting outside. On the flight to Pittsburgh, Mary Jane's sitting next to a secret hospital fan, and she all of a sudden gets very, very sick and runs to the bathroom. Dun, dun, dun. Is there problems with her appendix? Does she have gas? What's going on with Mary Jane? So the spiders have escaped from the basement, and they run into this guy on the stairs named Wild Whip, who apparently faced Ben during Ben's time in exile. And Ben's like, yeah, once in a while I had to, you know, do some vigilante work. And while Wild Whip is fighting them, he realizes that Ben's the guy who put him away years ago by the moves that he makes. But the spiders defeat him. Carnage comes out next, and he talks about how he just killed a bunch of people. And Ben's like, oh no, we can't run them reach the inmates locked in the basement. And at first Peter can care less, but Ben's kind of making him come around, look, these are people too. So we get a cool page of Peter and Ben double-teaming on Carnage and knocking him out. So the spiders make it outside Ravencroft, and uh, Peter's going to go after Judas Traveler, and Ben's going to follow the host into a limousine where they're escaping. Ben jumps into the limousine, it's empty, and it explodes. Peter thinks that Ben's dead, and he's like, even he deserved more than this, because Peter still doesn't have some sympathy for Ben, you know, he's still not sure about him, but he knows that it still sucks that he apparently died again. So Traveler's back in Kafka's office and tells Peter that the experiment is over and mentally knocks him out again. God, Traveler does that each and every time. He's like, oh, look, Spider-Man, knock out. Oh, you're awake, knock you out. So by the time Peter wakes up, Kafka's there, she's come in, and Traveler's gone. 
and the inmates have all been returned to their cells, and it turns out Carnage didn't kill any of them like he stated. Was it an illusion? What happened? Did Traveler use his powers to bring them back? And Kafka finds an old letter from Traveler saying that he can't come to Ravencroft. Oh, I guess that other guy must have been an imposter, or at least that's what Traveler wants Kafka to think. So that mystical mission to get that old letter, yeah, that was just to throw Kafka off. So Traveler and the host drive off, and he's like, Spider-Man is really interesting, and so is his double, but it's worded very vaguely, so we don't know who he's talking about. Dun, dun, dun. No body is found in the limo, and it turns out that Ben used his reflexes to get away, and he walks off and kind of contemplates what he's going to do. Is he going to return to exile, or is he going to stay in Manhattan? And that's the end of power and responsibility. Who hell the lab. Yeah, the, the, it, a lot more than the last few issues. This one was really dense. And I think when I say that you really need to get all four issues to get the whole story, this is a perfect example of it. Because if you just got the uh, adjective with Spider-Man issue, you're like, okay, this really isn't much going on. There's a lot that happens in Spectacular Spider-Man. A lot. Okay, Gerard, go. Well, uh, for one thing, I think we kind of figured out why the third part of the story didn't have a whole lot going on because they crammed everything into this part. I mean, this is so much stuff happens. It's almost a detriment to the story. Um, I mean, there's just way a lot of action. In fact, a couple of things happen off camera and are just mentioned by exposition, like the scene where uh, uh, where Ben and Peter first encounter this Wild Whip character. I believe they just came out of the basement. They just mentioned, like, whew, good thing we just beat all those guys and locked up the basement. I'm like, wait, that happened? And I'm, you know, flipping back a couple pages to see. I mean, it, it, they had so much for this issue. They actually had to do some of it, not even showing it. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Sal Buscema, though not when he's inked by Bill Sienkiewicz, as he was through most of the Clone Saga. But here he's inking his own pencils, and I think it works pretty well. Um, he, he's able to do, uh, especially that opening splash page with uh, Judas Traveler. It just looks really, really creepy. <laughs> I, I, it, it's, it's a very nice job, a very difficult job, given how much stuff actually has to happen and how much he has to choreograph and things like that. Um, and this is not something that, this is just one minor complaint um, that doesn't specifically have to do with this issue. But throughout especially this issue and the previous one, um, we have a lot of Ben saying things like he's out of practice or he hasn't done this in a while, he's out of shape. And uh, as I was reading it, you know, when you read it the first time, you're like, okay. And then in sort of retrospect, what we know now with what he was doing in those five years on the road and even mentioning in this issue when he encounters Wild Whip, you wonder... Does that really jive with the backstory? Are they still kind of feeling around at this point? You start to think about some behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. But uh, overall, it's a a nice end to an arc. Especially the sort of quote-unquote cliffhanger at the end with Ben walking off, having to make a decision. It feels like the beginning of a a really good story. So um, I would give this one a B. Okay. Uh, Brandon. Okay, so I, I actually like this issue. I like it a lot. I love Tom DeFalco's writing. Um, I, I like how it opened a lot more stuff up, and uh, actually we see a relationship kind of forming between Peter and Ben. Like, I know, I know they start beating each other in, the, like, the warehouse kind of looking thing, 
and they're still like untrustworthy and Peter's going around. He's like, tell me who's your boss. And he's like, Oh, it's the traveler. And Ben's like, what? No, what's going on? But, um, when my favorite scene in this whole issue was, uh, the one where, uh, they fight carnage, like carnage just comes waltzing in. He's like, yeah, he's not a psychopath. I'm carnage. And, uh, uh, they, they just go head to head with him and they're like, um, they, they team up and that, like, it could be a whole splash page on its own, the, where Peter and, uh, Ben are kicking him in the face. That, that, that's probably my favorite part of the issue. Um, one comment on some of the dialogue, you can tell it's a bit dated, like, from the 90s. Like, when Ben says, let's bag this bozo, I don't think anyone ever says that anymore. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a Defalco thing if there ever was one. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a Defalcoism. Yeah, um, but uh, I love I love Sal Buscema art. Um, I also really really liked back in the seventies John Buscema art, and especially when it was inked by Sal Buscema, because back in the day their styles were so coexistent that um, they they work perfectly together. So, uh, but yeah, um, overall. This was a really, really cool issue, and maybe, because I just read it now, it's probably my favorite issue of the month, even though I said the other one was, because out of those three before, that was my favorite issue of the month. But, um, yeah, I, I really like this one, so I'm going to give it an A. Okay. All right. <clears throat> let's, give a, let's give a brief rundown of the four issues. All right. What's your, uh, okay, you gave, uh, B-Dog, you gave, what, the first issue an A? Yeah, uh, I gave first issue a B, I think. Okay, a B? Yeah. Yeah, I gave first issue a B. Uh, I gave the second issue a C, was it? No, no, I gave the second issue an A. And I gave the third issue a C, and I just gave this one an A. Okay, so we got two A's and a C out of you. Gerard, what's yours? I have a B- minus for the first one, A- minus for the second I give that dreaded D plus to the third, and a B for this fourth issue. Okay. Did you, you haven't given your thoughts yet. That was just, or yeah, yeah, you did. You gave your thoughts first. <laughs> Keep up, Dusty. Um, Mr. Bertone Beetle, what is your thoughts? B minus. Uh, here's why. Well, first of all, uh, Sal Buscema's art, it's really good a lot of the times. A lot of the times in the Clone Saga, I didn't like it as much. Like, in the stuff that was leading up to Harry Osborn's death and Harry Osborn's death, his art was really good. But his art's one of those things where sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and I didn't feel it worked here. Uh, okay. There was some art errors, too. If you notice, at the end of uh, Part 3, Ben Riley's mask is ripped. But at the beginning of this part, first page, hey, his mask is fixed. Maybe Traveler used his powers. Because he got a magic sewing kit. <laughs> well, it's because maybe Traveler used his powers to do it. Um, <laughs> the exposition was done a lot better here, I thought. Now, speaking of Traveler and his powers, this guy can enter your mind, can knock you out with his magic eye powers, can do all this stuff, teleport people, create psychic barriers, and his plan, in order to make sure that his true name isn't discredited, is to make his magical astral woman get an old postmarked letter. All those powers, and that's what he had to do in order to make everyone be like, oh, but Judas Traveler is really a good psychiatrist. It just seemed like he couldn't have used his powers in another way to kind of fool it. So much about that whole letter alibi just didn't make sense for me. 
yeah. at all. Uh, one scene that I really liked was when Peter and Ben are talking, and like you can just hear the Christopher Daniel Barnes when he says, "You don't know the horrors I've experienced," and then Ben's like, "Hey, you don't want your life? Give me your life." And then there's that di- that like inner monologue where it's like, for a moment, Peter Parker is tempted, and I thought that that was you know some really good thought provoking stuff. Yeah, because I mean, he was he was essentially running at this point. Oh yeah, well he he had given up on Peter Parker, like we said yeah. before. He's I am the Spider. I am, and he, and it's almost, it's, it's almost as if like Ben's kind of making him come back from that because it's Ben who earlier was like, you know, hey, you know, you can't let Carnage kill these people; they're human too. Yeah. Ben in his story. Do you have any more thoughts? Nope. That that is it for uh, the main parts. Okay. Uh, ben in in this story kind of represents the. The conscience of Peter Parker, I think. Um, because at this point, like you say, Peter Parker had gone off the rails. Peter Parker, as we knew it, was no more. Um, and at this point, you know, the point of the story is it, it, this was just the first step of him regaining his own sanity. Um, and we'll cover that more next month when uh, we review Back to the Edge and Exile Returns. Now, uh, I give this issue a uh, see. I gave the first two issues B's, and I gave the other one a. C. I think I gave the, I gave all three issues B's. This one actually gets an A because it wrapped up everything, and it was, it was like like I like I referred to. I like I like stories where there's a lot going on, uh, but I can see Gerard's point of this almost almost was too much, trying to cram too much in the final part. Um, Obviously, this is where it reaches its climax and an ultimate, somewhat resolution. This was this was a, a really good overall arc, and I think uh, I'm not going to average out the grades. I don't, I don't I don't buy that with this particular arc because if you average out each individual grade, the third issue really kind of brings it down uh, for for like Gerard and uh, and uh, and you guys. But I think this overall arc, I give it an A because it served its purpose. You got Peter on the road on the on the right track. You introduce the clone. You you introduce some more mystery with Judas Traveler. Um, plus, you get developments with it. Now, granted, it's not is is not in this in these books very much, especially the latter books. Mary Jane, carry on. Do we answer that every time? Maybe. <laughs> I, 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 instead of us saying Mary, you should just put Christopher Daniel Barnes just saying that. <laughs> just take just just that whole part out and then put Mary Jane. That'd be funny. Well, uh, what's the <laughs> I think I have production, my friend. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah. Well. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> I digress. Anyway, but this. I mean, so we got the. She's, you know. Kind of off doing her thing. She's not really. There's not a whole lot of stuff with her going on. Not a whole lot of stuff with in it in this issue. Now, am I am I wrong? Am I right? I'm sorry. Well, wait, wait, was that a rhetorical question, or were you expecting an answer? I, I was. Oh. Actually, expecting an answer. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think that they were setting some stuff up for her, and I mean, like Peter well, I mean, and Ben, I mean, she was kind of. She wasn't. She wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of her in this story. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
No, I mean, you could probably um, add, through, you know, all of her scenes, and it would probably equal maybe five pages, six pages or less. Yeah. And that's for all four parts. And she wasn't even in part one. Wait, was she in part one? I don't think she was. Yeah, uh, very briefly. Yeah, she, I mean, she wasn't even in, like, some of the parts. Uh, and I know she wasn't in part three. But, I mean, you know, she does have the emotional decision to, well... Yeah, she does have the emotional decision about should I stay here where I'm needed or should I go take care of my you know of of my father and sister. And, and, and at this point, this is where it deviates from from the, the miniseries. You don't have to use traveler. Mary Jane is in the entire is 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 still a focal point. Um, they did pack a lot of stuff in here, and now to kind of give people like well, why is what, honestly why is the story arc what why was the story arc brought in? Let's go back in the Wayback Machine to 1993. 1993, Marvel got owned by, I mean, absolutely got destroyed in terms of sales uh, with the Death of Superman and the uh, and Nightfall, the Batman story. Um, Marvel is scrambling. They're losing money. At uh, this point, uh, the speculative market is starting to collapse. Uh, signs of the speculative market are starting to collapse. Sales are down across the board. They come up with this story at one of the big summits, and uh, Judas Traveler, obviously a character that Demetrius likes, um, and because it's the psychological thing, he's good at writing that type of stuff. Um, you can tell with Howard Mackey that's not his that's not his forte, <laughs> uh, especially in this in this arc because like like we, like we said, there's not a whole lot that happened in, in, in the third part, um, but. This arc did its per. I mean, basically, this arc was the, the whole setup to the thing, and, and we we were introduced to Ben Riley as a character, as a, with you know with the name, and it served a lot of different purposes. And this, the sales of this thing were huge compared to what was what else, everything else that Marvel was publishing at the time. And uh, when the sales did come back uh, a couple months later, they were like, hey, "Can we extend this a little bit longer?" You know, type thing. And that's that's the one phrase I think that the writers hated to hear the most <laughs> as this story went on. Can we just push this thing out a little bit longer? Uh, there's a lot of internal strife. Um, DeFalco is still editor in chief at this point. Now, um, DeFalco had approved the story, um, and it was he they told him to run, to run with it. He will remain editor-in-chief for another three or four issues. Three issues. Three issues. So he was editor-in-chief all the way up through, okay, January of 1995. Uh, so all the way through January, we're having, through the end of the year, we're going to be having the editor-in-chief, Tom DeFalco, as, as the guy. Uh, Danny Fingeroff uh, was the group editor. Now, he his, he's basically in the in the realm of, of uh, Brevort. And the editor, actually, the editor over the uh, over the books was Mark Powers at the time. Um, so there's a lot of there's fixing to be a lot of shakeup, and you're going to see that as the, as the story progresses. But at this point, everything's a go. The ship is the ship is right. They brought they brought in uh, because Demetrius liked this character, and Demetrius was the lead writer basically because he's writing amazing. That's why they brought in the uh, the Judas Traveler character. Uh, power and responsibility is widely regarded as a pretty positive arc um, in terms of it's pretty well regarded. Now, some people don't like it, um, but other than that, you know, and, and throughout the 90s, especially with this very beginning of the Clone Saga, they had to kind of bring readers up to, up to speed, and there was the backup in the books called The Double. And uh, Bertone, give us a run of The Double. 
Okay, these, this backup ran in all four of the parts, but we're going to be reviewing it as one part because it would just be so weird the way it splits up. But it's written by D, by J.M. DeMatteis, which means that we have a lot of that psychological narrative, which actually worked for the story, especially the early parts, because when the clone is still learning kind of, you know, where what he is and where he's going in the world before he can yeah. talk, that narrative stuff is good. So we get, you know, this whole page of the clone being born and kind of growing up inside of the tank, and there's one weird part where it talks about him going through puberty, which we'll get into in the notes. And uh, from the minute he steps out of that thing, Warren's basically abusing him, you know, hitting him, telling him that he's nothing. And uh, the clone overpowers him. You know, he's, he locks him up at one point, doesn't give him food for a while, and you can tell he's taking out his anger on the real Peter Parker for letting Gwen Stacy die on the clone. And it's really sick stuff, and D- Jam DiMatteis did a lot of this stuff, like, with villains, and it turned, like, half of his characters, I loved Jam DiMatteis, but most of his people had the same backstory, that they were abused as a child or abused as an adult, and abuse yeah. is a common theme. Yeah. Oh, so sad, you cry now. So the clone overpowers Warren and runs away, and he's fleeing through the city where the Jackal, complete with his jetpack from the first clone saga, finds him. And they fight, and the clone's about to kill the Jackal when he sees the Gwen clone, and that just stops him dead in his tracks. And they're looking at each other, and by this point, the clone's beginning to be able to verbalize thoughts, and he's remembering names. Like, he remembers the Jackal. Which no. doesn't make sense, which I'll get into in the notes later, and him and Gwen remember each other's names. But anyway, Jackal uses this distraction and subdues the clone. The police arrive, and they're like, freeze, Jackal! Jackal takes off on his jetpack, though, carrying the Gwen clone and the Peter clone. And from there, it's kind of like the stuff with Traveler. He's going inside of, you know, uh, the clone's head, helping him get his memory of who he is back. And, you know, he's reliving some of his traumas, like the death of his parents, the death of Uncle Ben... And the death of Gwen, which the clone shouldn't know, but we'll get into that later. So finally, he realizes that he's Peter Parker or whatever, and he kind of awakens from his trance, and he's in Warren's office, and he doesn't remember the, all that stuff that happened of being a clone, wandering through the city in the tank. He's just kind of amnesic, and Warren's like, yeah, you're going to get knocked out again. And when he wakes up, um, this, this is the point where in the original Clone Saga... Warren injects Peter's RNA memory cells, which doesn't make any sense, but we're going to go with it, into Ben. So him and Peter basically both have the same memories now. And we get uh, a replay of issue 149 of Amazing from Ben's point of view, the fight at Chase Stadium and the bomb going off, which we talked about last time. And I love how they do the narrative here, because you, even though it's being narrated by the clone, you still can't tell which of the two Spider-Man is the clone that are fighting, which is what it was like in the original issue. And I liked how they kept that played out. But what we see now, which we didn't see originally, is after the explosion, when the clone wakes up, he's outside of the smokestack, and that's one of our clone saga mysteries that gets solved. How did he get outside of the smokestack? Peter threw him in. He was dead. What's going on? What happens? He goes off to find the jackal. He doesn't know that the jackal's dead, but he decides to stop by his apartment first, and he looks inside, and he sees Peter with Mary Jane, and he's like, oh, my God, my clone took my life. You know, I got to get in there and stop him. And then he, it hits him at that moment, oh, my God. And I really can't do this page justice, but there's a lot of J.M.D. Mateus in her monologue about how the weight of this fact hits him, and he realizes that he's the clone, 
and he just has like a breakdown right there in the rain in the alley and realizes that, you know, and he prays and he realizes he's going to have to leave everything behind. And that's uh, the backup, and that continues eventually into the Lost Years with some – well, before that, we get some more backups about what happens afterwards. And a yeah. lot of them were reprinted in uh, the Lost Years, issue zero, which is a very good issue that you guys yeah, should all of them were – it was called the Parker Years. It was done by uh, nope, John nope. Reed. Not what? the Parker Years. The Parker Years was Peter. <laughs> what, what was the name of the, I swore it was the – Nope, the Lost Years. Oh. Parker Years was the one shot where uh Are you sure? I am one hundred percent pot the Parker Years is that one shot where Peter I know it's the one shot, but but the, the Parker Legacy is what it was called in the backups. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, yes, yeah, yes, the yes, okay. Okay, we all right about sure. that. This I hated the fing artwork in this I did. I, I never liked it. Gerard, you're the you're our artist. What do you what do you think of the art? Oh I I I'm with you. I thought it was Really terrible, and it, it's sad because you know when with because uh, we mentioned these are the backup stories, but they did. We should probably mention this. They did this uh, uh, sort of wacky thing where it was a flip book, so it was you know the the front the regular front of the comic, the regular issue, and then if you sort of closed the book and then flipped it over, it has another cover which relates to this story and then this story in it. And uh, it entices you with the the cover art for this stuff because it's drawn by the artist that did the books. So, for example, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man issue, for example, has a Mark Bagley cover. But then you open it up, and this stuff is just just butt fuzzy art. I mean, I really hated it. I'm with you. This was this just was ass. And for some reason, and I don't understand why this was, but the uh, the flip book on the Amazing issue. Had Gwen's hair chalk white instead of blonde. It was bad yeah, color it hair. Looks like black cat. Yeah, uh, or, or or silver sable. Yeah, I, sure. I think they were trying to go for like platinum blonde, but that's hard. It, it either comes off as being really pale yellow. Like it could just be you know the reproductions were using those eras wasn't very good. So it's yeah. coming out as pale yellow. It kind of come out a little washed out. Because remember, these are also you know foil covers, so they were you know it, it yeah. probably had something with the production. And, yeah, that, 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 I agree with that. And, and to kind of give a little bit of recap on on the era itself, this was this was the era of the ho- the holographic foil covers or the foil gram covers, where everything was foiled out. The actual like like in the web of Spider Man issue, where it's P- uh, Ben and 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 uh, Peter. Fighting, you got Ben and Peter that are colored normally, and then the rest of it's kind of like this muted mustard yellow. If you took a picture of it, and it's not very good. <laughs> they had the regular edition and the quote-unquote Fantastic Flipbook edition, and uh, most everybody got the Fantastic Flipbook edition. Actually, I think the uh, the regular editions were actually more more rare than I that. Where there was a regular edition, please mention yeah. it now. Yeah, there actually <laughs> is a regular. Yeah, they reg- there actually was a regular edition, and uh, if you go to samruby.com, it's a good friend of ours, Eric Gillette's website, if you go look at the uh, cover gallery, he's got the actual um, regular edition of each issue. And uh, also, there's a lot of rare variants that were running during the Clone Saga at this time that uh, you can get, you can at least see the covers. If, if you happen to see it at the comic shop, pick those up. Okay, so uh, anyway, from the back up, 
um, we get the psychological, like we got the psychological depth. Gerard, what is your opinion on the backup besides the art? Uh, I actually, I like it because in a way it's sort of, um, the, at least the latter half of it, acts as sort of a catch-up to people who hadn't read the original Clone Saga, in a way. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not as precise retelling, but in, in another sense, in a typical Mattis kind of way, it gives you an idea of where the clone's mind was at this stage, and you can almost sort of compare it to where he is during the actual arc that it's running as a backup of. And I liked that aspect of it. I, I like the story, but it, the art really drags it down. I mean, I, I really hated that art. Okay. Uh, so what's your grade on the backup? Uh, I would probably say like a C. You know, if, it, if it's an A story with F art, it's a C in my book. Okay. Uh, Brandon DP, B-Dog, what's your uh, opinion? I, I like the story. Like, I thought it was pretty cool. I liked how it gave a recap and stuff like that. But I couldn't enjoy it because of the art. I just couldn't enjoy it. Yeah. If they, if they got anybody, and like anybody else, okay, except Chris Bachello, but anybody, I think they could have done a way better job with the art. Uh, I, I just didn't like it. Um, but the story, if I was just counting the story, the story was cool. And I liked how to see how um, I liked how Ben was kind of portrayed as oh when he saw Mary Jane like he was all confused and he was angry and then he just it hit him hard that he really is the clone. But I thought it was pretty cool. So overall, yeah. I'm gonna give this. Am I getting a grade on this? Yeah, go ahead and give a grade. Okay, um, I'm gonna give it a C. Uh, or no, I'm gonna give it a C minus. Um, if I was just grading this story with, I don't know, if, like, Salby Simo was doing the art, I'd probably give it a B, but, yeah. yeah. And we kind of briefly alluded to this in the continuity errors, and I'm going to go to my continuity expert, Mr. Bertoni Beetle, uh, to kind of describe, kind of give a compare and contrast on the, on the continuity errors. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, when he's giving Peter his memories, Peter's supposedly remembering from when Warren took the cell samples. That's the point of his life that he can remember everything from up until he injects Peter's RNA memory cells in him in issue 149. So when he's fighting, he realizes that, wait, this isn't Warren. This is the Jackal. The Jackal's a bad guy. How he did not encounter the Jackal till after Gwen died, and he didn't get the blood samples until before Gwen died. Uh, he shouldn't know who the Jackal is. And then when... Um, sp- when he's remembering everything, he's remembering his guilt over Gwendine. He shouldn't remember that. You could always say that Warren injected in his head. And also, uh, Warren's kind of schooling him on the whole, you know, it's your fault that your Uncle Ben died because you didn't stop the burglar. How does Warren know this? Unless he can, like, somehow view Peter's memories through the clone. It's... <laughs> There's a lot of comic book science in there. Yeah. Now, I mean, you can easily explain this by saying, you know, hitting, you know, hitting hypnosis or whatever, or Warren did this or Warren did that. But it's just <laughs> he shouldn't know who the jackal is. He shouldn't know about Gwendine, and, and that did kind of bother me. Some people, by the way, some people thought that when uh, 
Ben runs into Peter and Mary Jane uh, about to do the horizontal mambo in uh, that backup. That that's actually supposed to be what Peter and Mary Jane did after 149. Uh, I've seen that in so many reviews that like Ben's seen how that scene plays out. That doesn't make sense, first of all, because Ben wasn't even thrown into the smokestack until 151. So just a note for those people who kind of confuse that scene. Yeah, there's that weird page, by the way, where you see the clone growing up in the vat, and about the time when I guess he's supposed to be somewhere between the ages of 11 and 15, he's like, there's this weird narrative about him going through puberty. He's like, he realizes that he's a male and that he's a he, and the sense of empowerment that that entails. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is yeah. This 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 was this was really kind of this was <laughs> this was really bad. I, I really didn't like this. I mean, just overall, this this little backup, it served a pur- it served its purpose, but Christ Almighty, this was just bad. I mean, some of the some of the the content and and it's weird because um, it's not. I mean, Dean Mateus is pretty is known pretty well known for his continuity, but this was just didn't a lot of this didn't make sense. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of continuity. I mean, so don't when you're reading this, if you haven't read 150 uh, or 149 through 151, um, and you go back and read this, and you accept that that backup is gospel truth. It's really not. <laughs> so, I I did like some things about the backup. Like I said, I liked how they handled the uh, the stadium scene in 149. How they kind of kept to that and did it from Ben's point of view. And yeah. again, they never tell you who was the clone and who was the original during that scene. And he even says, I don't remember which one of us said it, ironically, but one of us said, we have to stop doing this. And the whole, t- by the way, when Peter and the Jackal are, or Peter, when the clone and the Jackal are fighting and they land on that roof of the jetpack and yeah. Gwen's over there, how did Gwen get on that roof? I mean, the Jackal says that he put her there, but Peter and, uh, Peter, the clone and Jackal were fighting and they randomly landed on a roof. How did they plan? How did Warren plan to have Gwen be on the exact roof that they were going to crash on? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're reading a little bit too into it. <laughs> There's just so many plot holes in this thing. But, I mean, yeah. I, I honestly like it a lot. And, again, um, if you've been a loyal Spider-Man reader until this time, you're reading this, you're wondering, but the clone's supposed to be Anthony Sebra mutated, and it's yeah. still not being addressed, and it's almost like it's being swept under the rug. And I really wonder if when they were writing this... They had forgotten about that until like one well, point in the that's, process. That's, that's that's probably right. I mean, that was such a trivial thing. I totally forgot about the Anthony Serbia thing until we brought it up in the uh, last edition of Clone Saga Chronicle. Um, I I'd forgotten about that, but you're right. Um, now that's an editor. That's the editor's fault. Honestly, I mean that's that's Danny Fingeroff's fault, but. You know, I'm gonna I, I'm willing to put that aside a little bit, um, just for that particular reason. But all all in all, I did like this. Aside from the Frankenstein art and the plot holes, I thought that it was yeah. interesting <laughs> to see you know the backup and the way that that last scene was written, where he realizes he's the clone. I'm actually going to give this an A minus. Surprisingly okay, enough, wow. yeah. After, even though we drove like all through all this every single plot hole with a Mack truck, we're gonna give it an A minus. I'm gonna give this. Well, a, it had some strong parts in it that 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 brought the grade up. I will say. Well, uh, I'm going to give this a solid C plus. The art just completely drug this down. Uh, despite the plot holes, this was really well written. I'm not going. I'm not knocking the way it was written 
at all, even though that, but there was some awkwardness with the scenes, obviously. But this wasn't a bad, bad issue, uh, bad, bad issue, bad backup. I mean, I, I've seen a lot worse backups in my day, and this certainly was not one of them. I like the fact that it was written by one writer and it was consistent throughout. Uh, the art was consistent. We're not having, uh, cause, uh, you know, this was really one story as opposed to four, four parts of one story. So, Good stuff all around, even though the, the art was just utter ass. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all the uh, reviews, which is most of the show. Um, next month, we'll be reviewing, uh, is it Power and Responsibility? Uh, not Power and Responsibility, but Back from the Edge and Exile Returns? Yep, it's um, which ran in Amazing Spider-Man 395, Spectacular Spider-Man 218, Web of Spider-Man 118, and uh, No Adjectives Spider-Man, issue 52. And uh, we had, uh, this wasn't part of the Exile Returns and uh, Back from the Edge, but there was uh, Ben Riley and Peter Parker both appeared in Spider-Man Unlimited uh, number 7, which came out that month, but they never ran into each other. Yeah, that was a that was a kind of a fun story, and we'll get more into that next edition of the Qualtag Chronicles podcast. Venom is um, coming. <laughs> yeah, Venom is coming. <laughs> Uh, and he will come back again and again and again. Anyway, uh, guy, gentlemen, um, I really do. Uh, oh, I want to briefly touch on this news because we didn't get a chance to uh, to talk about this because it came out between uh, in, in our skip week. But there is, for the first time, a trade paperback coming. Now we've only seen this on Amazon, and uh, I, I briefly, if you type in. Uh, Clone Saga trade paperback on Amazon.com. It's up for pre-sale now. Uh, it, it, it's they're taking pre-orders, so you know you can order it in advance. Uh, it's twenty three oh nine for uh, for eligible Super Saver shipping for, on orders over twenty five dollars, which uh, normal price is thirty four ninety nine. You're getting a whopping. Uh, uh, you're getting a lot in this issue. You're getting actually the first three months of the Clone Saga. Um. You're getting uh, Web of Spider-Man uh, 117 through 119. Lost uh, the Web of uh, Spider-Man Unlimited, which we alluded to just now, uh, that showed up actually in the second month of the Clone Saga. Spider-Man uh, 51 through 53. Amazing Spider-Man uh, 394. Two, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 217. Now, for some reason, I don't know why, but 395 and 396 are not in here, and 217 through 219 are not in here either. So don't ask me why, but that's oh, and and it's also got the Spider-Man: The Lost Years zero through three and subplot pages. Now the subplot pages, we don't know what's going to be. Uh, supposedly this is going to be four hundred. It's going to be four hundred thirty-two pages. Supposedly it's shipping March twenty-fourth of two thousand ten. We have not seen any solicitations on this other than the Amazon stuff. So we're going to keep a close eye on it. We will report on it when we get when we get the chance. Uh, not only will we report it on the podcast, we'll also report it on Spidey.com, which uh, hopefully will be up this week. Uh, yeah. Knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll try to install WordPress this week. Sweet. I think that the subplot pages, by the way, are probably that stuff uh, right before Power and Responsibility where, who is the mysterious man on the motorcycle who must see Aunt May? Yeah, that's what he is. Why is he visiting Gwen Stacy's grave? Why is he visiting Midtown High? Yeah. Who is he? And uh, I want to thank, of course, our two new regular panelists, 
Mr. B-Dog, Brandon DP, and uh, Mr. Gerard Deltour. Guys, y'all were a great addition. Uh, good to talk to you guys. Um, these guys have done a lot for the site, and uh, when we get the site back up, knock on wood, uh, they'll continue to have contributions. We'll have reviews. We'll have a uh, we'll have a great great design by a B dog. We'll have reviews by uh, Gerard and uh, Bertoni. Will have the clone pick of the day, and I'll also have uh, I'll be reposting the Clone Saga Chronicles articles, not to be confused with the podcast. Uh, so check us out. Also, become a fan of Spidey.com on Facebook. Just do a search in, on Facebook.com uh, for SpideyDude.com. That's all one word, S-P-I-D-E-Y-D-U-D-E. Okay, that about wraps this up. And uh, just to kind of touch upon what we're doing next edition, we're going to be doing uh, the first half of Exile Returns and the first half of Back from the Edge. Um, these two particular books uh, came out, you know, uh, they did two at a time instead of doing four issues, four parts, uh, all one story. This, this particular experiment they tried. And, cover dated uh, November. Cover dated in November. So uh, November 1994. And we'll also be hitting up a little bit something a little bit more current. Clone it's really S- August. Oh, wait, no, it was, it was really September. Yeah, it's really September. Um, but we'll be covering the Clone Saga Part 2, written by Tom DeFalco, Howard Mackey, and art by Todd Nock. We'll be covering that. Also, we'll be covering the... Uh, Spider-Man Unlimited number seven. So if you want, if you're following along with your books, we're covering hitting all those up on the next edition of the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. Uh, I want to thank Podomatic for uh, for getting us up online. I want to thank uh, Brad Douglas for letting us pimp it on the crawl space. And uh, we are oh, we forgot to talk about reviews. The reviews of our, our show. Oh, yes, uh, the reviews of that everybody sent in on our voicemail number, and by everyone, I mean absolutely none of you, even though I was practically begging you all. Yeah, Bertoni was a little sad. He was he was pimping himself out like a whore. I cried. I'm not going to lie. I, I've, I, 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 I'm about to cry now. Well, don't cry, please. Be sure to give us a call at... 206-339-5570. We want to hear your lovely tones on the uh, on the voicemail inbox, and also be sure to specify which podcast you're talking about, because uh, Tony is like a prostitute. He, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a podcast whore. That's what my friend Eric calls it. Yeah, I'm starting up a Teen Titans podcast uh, with my friend Christ Savannah. Yes, I'm on the Batman Universe comic podcast, or Tony Beetle Bonanza, Couch Potatoes, Clone Saga Chronicles, and I'm setting up the Nanny's Helping Hands podcast for Nanny's Helping Hands magazine. And uh, I'm on the ExperimentCrawlSpace.com podcast and, well, this one. I've never heard of them. Who are they? Yeah. Who are those guys? Anyway, uh, and Gerard, you're uh, on, again, we want to go go check out his really, really good work on DeviantArt. Spider202.DeviantArt.com. And tell them the Clone Soccer Chronicles sent you. And be sure, be sure, become a fan of us on Facebook. And if you have any questions or concerns about Spider.com, you can also hit the message board. Uh, go to crawlspace.com slash www.board slash index.php. Scroll down. Hit spidey.com. That's where you can contact me or Bertoni. And also, uh, be sure to, eat, if you have any questions or anything like that, email me at spideydude at yahoo.com. So, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we got a, we had a whole lot of hits this month, and I hope we have a whole lot more. 
Hope you enjoy this edition, and let us know. Thanks. Have a great day. Take it away, Christopher Daniel Barnes.